Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 138 of Let's Get Haunted. If it's your first time to listen to the podcast and you want to get straight to the story from the title, you can open up the show notes and expand. The very first sentence in all caps will tell you the exact time to skip to to get to the story. Otherwise, Ali and I begin each episode with an intro and personal hauntings where we thank our donors and we talk about what's been going on that's haunted in our own lives. So if you want to skip, open up the first sentence in the show notes. It'll tell you where to go to. And now back to your regularly scheduled haunting. How are you today, Natalia? Um, I, I'm like just like barely hanging on by a thread. I've been sick for like a really long time. And I'm starting to think that something's wrong because I usually am not sick for this long. But I've been in bed for like five days with a heating pad. Oh, wow. And just, yeah. And I and the fever's been coming on and off. And I just have this like crazy cough where it feels like I need to hack up stuff in my lungs. But nothing comes up. I don't know. Well, that sounds super fucking shitty. I'm really sorry. <laughs> My like natural inclination anytime someone tells me something is wrong is to try to problem solve and I'm trying to not do that. So I'm not going to offer any solutions because I don't know what what would be helpful. But that sounds super fucking shitty. I feel like when it comes to illnesses and things like that, for me, they usually just pass. Right. So I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, who, like just just wait it out. But it's just been on and off for a really long time. I got like I remember before I went to the horse show. Everyone in the house had norovirus and I was like taking care of everyone. And then we went to the horse show and some people kind of like on and off again had like fever on and off, but it, it was fine. And then now when we finally got back, we're like back in our house and settled. I just got struck down. We were actually driving back. And so I was still in Florida and I remember I had like three and a half hours left to go until I got home and it was about 6 p.m. And I just made the call. I had to like stop and get a hotel because I just felt really, really sick. And then ever since then, I just it hasn't come back. And it's been almost like a week now. Um, so I'm just hoping that I don't like die tomorrow. But I mean, yeah, that would be the fucking worst case scenario. I hope I really hope you don't die. Um, I don't think you will. I do. I do wonder, though, because a lot of what you were describing from the horse show really made me think of Coachella in terms of like how many people are there and like it's sort of a thing that goes all day and it's like even though uh, maybe people are rolling their eyes because I know Coachella is not cool anymore but like uh, it's also like very exercise intensive randomly and I feel like horse riding also is like there's a lot of walking a lot of talking a lot of like jumping up and down running possibly to get to certain locations that you're late to so I wonder if yeah and so I know like for me personally leaving any type of like festival that's longer than one night I feel like I come back from those types of situations with respiratory issues and I don't know Mm. if it's because there's like a lot of people around so there's just higher chance of catching a bug or like I personally feel like a lot of it has to do with like dirt like if you're just walking on a lot of dirt yeah I feel like that has a lot to do with like respiratory distress or like illnesses um having to do with the lungs well that makes me feel better 
Yeah, I, th- I I, mean, that's how I feel about it. And I know, like, my friend Audrey and I, we used to go to raves. We, there was one year we would go to raves, like, every weekend, and it was, like, not good in retrospect. <laughs> um, but very fun at the time. But I was sick most of the time because... Yeah, you're just like going all the time on no sleep. Your body gets no break. You're already run down. You're walking around everywhere. You're doing a lot of exercise, even though you don't think you are. And then you're just in a packed space with a lot of other people in a dusty environment. So I wonder if that could be part of it. And maybe you were already run down from norovirus and then your body just didn't get a chance to like recuperate. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was that. Maybe the stress of knowing that I had like spent all this money and time and planning to go to Florida just gave me the adrenaline that I needed to like get through it, you know? So mm-hmm. then when I finally had the moment to rest, my body was like, okay, we really need to just lay in bed for like five days straight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, feel empowered to do that. Just lay in bed and hang out on your laptop and, you know, play some Sims. That's that's my terrible life advice. When you're feeling down, just play some Sims. How are you? I'm trying to think of like anything interesting that's been going on. Not really. Um, I am gearing up for my like first vacation vacation in a couple of years so I'm excited for that I'm going to Japan and yeah I'm really excited about it but also super fucking nervous um for a lot of the same reasons that you were nervous for the horse show which is everything is expensive Mm -hmm. yeah um so I finished booking a lot of stuff and like looking at the bill and I was like holy fucking shit this is so expensive but I just keep telling myself this is your opportunity to do this like you're not getting any younger you're not getting any healthier you're not getting any richer like you need to just fucking do it and it's gonna hurt and it's gonna take a while to recover well hey hold on I hope you get richer and healthier (laughs) (laughs) well I don't mean to be a pessimist I guess what I'm trying to say is like YOLO well generally speaking people are usually healthy the younger they are right Right. like your body bounces back faster from lack of sleep or you know whatever and so I feel like this is it like you don't get younger as time keeps going so if you yeah so if you want to do something you've just got to do it yeah so I'm I'm really excited but I'm also like apprehensive and anxious about it and I also hate flying as everyone knows so that's gonna fucking suck but you know that's life. You've got to sometimes face your fears to have a good time. So hopefully I have a good time and the plane doesn't crash. Dude. Oh my God. (gasps) Flying is so fucking annoying right now. I recently just saw, because I've been sick having nothing to do. So I've just been like scrolling through TikTok. I saw a TikTok and it was someone filming this guy on a plane who like attacked a stewardess with a broken spoon. Have you seen I that video? I saw that. Yes. Oh I saw it on Reddit. Horrifying. What the fuck? And everyone's just kind of looking around. Like the guy was announcing. He was like, hey, I'm going to take over this plane. I don't even know what he was saying because it honestly just sounded like garbage. You just walk past someone who's talking like that. Right. I don't know if they're going to turn on me. Right. Just ignore. Except they were on a plane. So what are you going to do? Because they're just like either right next to you. Anyways, so they were basically just screaming out word salad makes no sense, whatever that is. But the the word salad had like the theme of 
taking over the plane, like hijacking the plane. Like he, he was saying something about yeah. he's going to take over the plane. And then everyone was just kind of like, is he saying he's going to take over the plane? Is this like, should we care about this guy? And then he was just like, oh, okay, cool. Since no one's going to stop me. And then he just gets up and he just walks over to a stewardess and just literally starts attacking her. And I couldn't see what he had in his hand. I guess it was a broken spoon, but oh my God, so crazy. People have gotten like significantly more unhinged like I I know we've talked about that before on the show but I really feel like the downtime people had like in their homes not traveling for whatever reason has made everyone just absolutely bananas when they do travel you're telling me that you think broken spoon attack man was a normal dude at one point like he was just like sitting in his house after getting home from work, like he just made himself like a bowl of soup or whatever, was watching South Park. And then at some point something snapped and he turned into, I'm going to take over the plane, attack this woman with a broken spoon. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine someone as a child starting out like that. I don't know. Remember when I was talking to you about when I went to New York and there was that guy on the plane who started freaking out because he was like, my girlfriend, yes. uh, I need to sit by her or whatever. Right. And then we were talking about all of these like studies or incident reports that were coming out being like, oh, uh, violence on airplanes is at an all time high since the pandemic. And yeah. so I feel like I don't know what's in the air or the water or like what's making people go insane. I'm sure there will be some study in 20 years that's like looking back on this unique time in human history. We can tell that uh, this is what the psychological issues were coming out of. Uh, you know isolation and you know very fearful time in the world but at this time I I cannot hazard a guess but yeah that man should absolutely be in jail I'm assuming he is Um, hopefully fingers crossed because if somebody were to act insane like that on a plane in front of me I truly feel like I would just die Um, (laughs) I would just have a heart attack I would be so scared And the only reason why I didn't have a heart attack when I saw that guy being, you know, crazy on my flight to New York is because we hadn't taken off yet. So, like, Mm -hmm. he was being insane before he was even seated. And then they escorted him off the plane. And I was like, thank fuck. Because if this guy was on the plane during the air, like, part of the flight, I'm ripping open the emergency exit and flinging myself out of this plane (laughs) because I can't handle it. It really, like, depends on my mood. I've thought about that before. Like, what would I do if this person was on my flight? There's a part of me, like, if you get me at the wrong time, like, when I'm just fucking pissed off and I have enough energy, like, I'm going to fucking strangle that person. I don't know why. (laughs) Like, I just have it in me. I don't know. Like, I have a killer inside me. Not always. Other times, I'm like, okay, I don't have the energy for this. I'm just going to cry, you know, or I'm just going to ignore. But there are times when I I don't get quite as triggered as I used to a few years ago. But, oh, my God. I just get pissed at people for fucking putting me in this situation where I have to kill them now. You know? Like, you did this. (laughs) Like, you turned me into a murderer by being a fucking weirdo. And now I have to live with me having your blood on my hands. Does that make sense? Yeah, we talked about that on an episode. There was one episode where during the intro, you had told me some fucking horrifying story of like the electric chair. And then we were talking about like, dude, that's fucked up. It's like fucked up that you're the murderer. And now you're making us murder you. Yeah. And now an innocent person has to become a murderer. Yeah, Yeah, it is fucked fucked up. up. Come on, guys. Don't make us murder you. All right. Yeah. We've got enough to worry about. Yeah. 
So other than that, then an upcoming trip that I hope is really fun and I hope I hope I survive it and uh, everything's good and my anxiety is all for nothing. But other than that, yeah, not much is going on. I'm just trying to like get a shit ton of stuff done before I leave because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And that's like, again, very anxiety inducing because I don't remember the last time I was gone for that long from like my house. So it's going to be so good for you. Oh, just thinking about it. I'm like getting sweaty. Yeah, I, I hopefully it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. It's just like expensive and, and, you know, but it'll be worth it. Hopefully the experiences are are worth the cost. Where in Japan are you guys going? So we are flying into Tokyo and then we are going to go to um, Nara, then Osaka, then Kyoto, then like Mount Fuji area, mm-hmm. then back to Tokyo and home. And then while we're in Osaka, we're going to see if we have time to take the train to um, Hiroshima or Hiroshima. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Just to see if we can see like the peace memorial. Are you going to try to go see images that are burned into the ground from, you know what I'm talking about? When the atomic bomb went off, there was like kids yeah. that were disintegrated and you can see their shadows on the ground. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure if we can, I don't, I'm an over planner, as you know, like I need to know like exactly <laughs> where the train goes and like where it lets off and what is the name of the train station that I should get off at or I will get lost because I have no spatial awareness. So my survival instinct just makes me over plan so I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get down there or not but if we can yeah I would like to see all that stuff like the the peace memorial I'm sure there's like a museum there um yeah I would like to see all that because I figure when am I ever going to get to go to Japan again you know realistically can I make two recommendations yeah do it my first recommendation is that you need to get the the app where you just hover your camera over something and it and it automatically translates it for you uh-huh that is like you cannot travel through japan without that if you're coming in not able to speak japanese or read the language oh, highly recommend that and then the second thing is if you have downtime see every fucking garden you can like the japanese gardens are oh really the best gardens in the world yeah so if there's like a moment where you're like oh i could go to this stupid public park or i could like see this other thing the stupid public park is probably going to be dope those are my two okay things. awesome okay good <laughs> i'm gonna keep that in mind because yeah it's free. I, I know how many times have you been there you've been there twice I've, or three yeah i've times? only been twice but the first time i went was like for two weeks and the second time I went was for like another two weeks and I feel like uh, I got to see a lot of it not all of it obviously I can go back like a thousand times because I'm like a what do you right, call it like that's a file yeah that's what I've heard I've heard that like just Tokyo alone you could spend two weeks there and not see everything so clearly I'm not doing that because I'm only there for two weeks so I only have a couple days in each city but yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind because I I know we're we're going during like cherry blossom time, which I'm excited about. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm pumped for that, like just to see all the colors and stuff. And it's gonna be cold, and I'm not like a cold person. Like I don't like being cold, so right. I will be overpacking and wearing like 17 layers everywhere, looking like a marshmallow man. But yeah. Oh, and then something I saw. So I had asked on Instagram. I had asked like anybody who's been to Japan. Tell me any recommendations you have. And somebody recommended this like abandoned railway hike that you can take that's like supposedly haunted. So I put that on my calendar. And if I have some downtime in Osaka, I'm going to go 
Wow. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it looks cool, though. So hopefully, hopefully I get to go. And if I do get to go, I will maybe take some video of it and upload it to the Patreon. Yeah, you have to. Wow. I'm so jelly. I haven't been to Japan in a long time and I really want to go. If I uh, ever financially recover from this, like <laughs> the uh, the meme... <laughs> Then we should go back and just do like a haunted Japan tour and film it for LGH so we can write it off for taxes. And then our CPA will be like, um, why did you spend more money than you made in a year on a trip? Like you can't write this off as business at that point. Like you've made no money. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to say before we forget, I feel like you and I like will skip from topic to topic because we... Um, our chaotic people against our will. Um, but I do want to remember to say before I forget that I wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who's joined the Patreon because this is our first oh. episode where we've like officially been able to see how many people ended up joining. Yeah, you guys, that's, oh my God, that makes me so happy that the Patreon is happening. Like I've been sick for, I don't know, now like 10 days. So I feel like I haven't been able to contribute to the Patreon as much as Allie has, but I will, I will. I do plan on it as soon as I get better, if I ever do. And we're just so grateful to all of you guys for joining. And we really hope that we don't let you down. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I actually am, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm, I'm like... I know people don't like when we're um, self-deprecating. So I'm going to say I am pleasantly surprised that people joined. And I am pleasantly surprised because I feel like it would be very easy to not support someone. Right. So I just really appreciate um, right. people going the extra mile to like support. And if you're interested in extra content on there, we are planning on posting as much as we can um, extra content for t the two tiers. There are two tiers available. Tier one is $5 a month. Tier two is $10 a month. Tier one has the guarantee of having uh, listener story episodes that are recorded, like video episodes on there. And tier two has the guarantee of having access to the video episodes of listener stories, plus extra mini hauntings is what we're calling it. And mini hauntings are basically just extra content that we didn't know what to do with. So for example, um, like any interview that we do where we only use sound bites from it, we are going to upload the full versions on tier two. If there's like an intro that needs to be cut from the public version, then we will upload it privately to the tier two. And also just like anything extra Nat and I want to do. Like I know people were asking on there because I, I posted a little quick video being like, hey, what do you guys want to see from me? What do you want to see from Nat? What do you want to see from us together? And there were a lot of really great suggestions. Like some people wanted to see Q&A videos, um, discussion threads, vlogs of like day in the life, um, horse vlogs, uh, Sims 4 speed builds. So if you're listening to this, I should have a Sims 4 speed build up there right now. But yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of really interesting things. And like Nat said, some months, like obviously we both have like other jobs and other things going on. So if I'm on there super busy one month like if I'm on there posting a lot one month don't fret because Nat may be posting super frequently the next month and mm -hmm. vice versa yep and we are going to post the redacted intro from episode 136 I believe on Patreon because I know a few of you guys have been asking about it um, we just haven't gotten around to it it will be up 
Yeah. And so basically my point is we have like the bare minimum of stuff um, on there that is guaranteed to be posted to the Patreon. That is what you can read about when you go to sign up. And then anything extra we post is just a cherry on top. And some months we might not have anything extra on top of what's already guaranteed. And some months we might have like 10 things extra because we just never know. We like to be spontaneous. Speaking of spontaneous, I would like to thank some of our donors. We are switching over to Patreon, but there is a little bit of a, uh, I don't know what you call it, rollover period here where mm-hmm. I'm still getting some donations. Uh, but we do want, if you guys can, to go over to Patreon because it makes it much easier for us to keep track of all of this. However, I'd love to thank Lisa B., Jim H., October Noir Vita, Gentry B, Gentry B, Gentry B, Curie <laughs> S, Megan C, Abigail A, Julian G, Angela G, and Brandy B. Thank you guys very much for donating to the podcast. We appreciate your love so much. We need it. And uh, yeah, we're we're doing it for you guys. That's right. And I would like to give a very special shout out to the following donors. Lindsay S., Anonymous, Brenna, Brianne M, Charlotte S, Rachel G, Omar M, and then Rebecca H, Peter Barker and Malik, Carrie Beth, Car or Carrie Beth, I'm not sure, Rachel G, and then there's one last one, and the this person wrote I'm Polish and my nickname literally means military choo-choo train and it would mean a lot if you can try to pronounce it in Polish. So here you go. This is my butchered Polish pronunciation of military choo-choo train. Chiucha Bajowa. Bajawa? Bajowa? Chucha. Chucha Bajawa. Chucha Bajawa. And Peter Barker and Malik also put in their donation the iconic, excuse me, let me restate that, the iconic Peter Barker and Malik uh, wrote that it's another shout. It's time for another shout out for the winner of the first ever Let's Get Haunted Fantasy Football Bowl. And that person's name is Big Football Energy. If you guys are interested and want to join the Let's Get Haunted Fantasy Football Bowl for the 2023, Peter Barker and Malik will be coordinating that through our fan discord sometime in August. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm interested in that. Um, sorry, can't tell you how to get into the fan discord because it's a very exclusive club. However, it is actually very easy to get into the fan discord right. because you just have to ask somebody in the fandom. How can you do that? Um, I would recommend Patreon, asking in Patreon or asking Reddit. in the subreddit. Mm-hmm. I've seen people do it on the Instagram, but I think it's not as easy. So Go, go for the subreddit. That's right. And like Nat said, thank you so much to everyone. Whether your donation is $1 or $50 or anything in between, we really, really appreciate it and have really appreciated all your love and support over the years. And like Nat said, we are migrating over to Patreon. And the reasons for that we have talked about in a previous episode, but just to sum it up in case you guys missed why we're making the move. Um, one, it is for ease of knowing who has donated and when, because currently we have so many different ways to donate that every once in a while someone slips through the cracks and they might not get their shout out for a couple of months. And that also like 
just pisses me off when I do something like that because I don't like to fuck things up. So this will be helpful having everyone's name in one place on the Patreon. And also because in years past, we have had people ask if there is a way to make it so that it's like a subscription donation instead. And I've never known how to do that on Kofi. So Patreon, we just figured would be the easiest way to do it. We have some friends on Patreon. It's a super easy, user-friendly interface. And so we were like asking our friends, like, how do you do it? What do you do it? Is it actually worth it? And it seems like so far it's been pretty user-friendly, which is great because I am technologically challenged. And on top of that, it offers an opportunity for us to give you guys extra stuff. The people who want extra stuff can get extra stuff. Mm -hmm. So now instead of just donating and receiving a shout out in exchange, you get to donate and receive some extra content in exchange. Yeah, like we might just give you guys some of our bath water, take some (laughs) Polaroids and send them to you. I don't know. I like the idea of us having a Patreon and people thinking that it, we're like hot OnlyFans type girls and then because yeah. they don't know and then they find out that we just have like a nerdy podcast about ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And thank you all so much. And we did also want to give a shout out to our new fan run Tumblr account, which is yes. letsgethaunted.tumblr.com. And it is fucking awesome. I just recently discovered that I actually do have a Tumblr account that I had just forgotten about and never used. So I went and followed the fan run Tumblr account and I am just loving it so far, having such a fabulous time seeing all the stuff that they repost. And they repost stuff not only that has to do with us, but like other things that have to do with topics we've covered in the past. So it's really interesting if you're someone who does like the storytelling aspect and the research aspect of our show, uh, I think that the fan run Tumblr account is a nice complement to the episodes. Let's hear from our sponsor for this episode, Manscaped. Spring has sprung and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement. But this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code Let's Get Haunted to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning. Whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. The kit starts off with the Beard Hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair-cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of add-ons. It also comes with titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. That's what she said. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Next, the kit has the liquid goods to make you feel good, starting with the beard shampoo and conditioner. You can't treat your beard like you treat your pubes. That's what I always say. And that's why the kit has a special shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, and replenish your beard's natural oils and promote beard health. The Pro Kit also has Manscaped's Beard Oil. The nutrient-infused oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while still adding a little shimmer and shine to liven up the look. 
Cap it off with the Beard Balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, and moisturizes, bringing the amazing scent of fresh eucalyptus, rosemary, and lavender essential oils. Not to mention, the Beard Hatcher Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure that your beard is ready to impress. Save 20% off plus free shipping with the code Let's Get Haunted at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Let's Get Haunted at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. Natalia, how do you personally enjoy the Manscaped products and how how do you think it best helps the beard? You know, I, I'm kind of like a creative person and I also just like to fuck shit up and I feel like the art of facial hair satisfies all of my needs. You get to literally destroy something while also creating something new. And it's a beard. So that satisfies all of the questions that you have asked me. Thank you. And yourself? Oh, yes. Thank you for asking. So I am not a bearded folk, but I am jealous of everyone who does have a beard because I always think to myself like, man, I would be so much more attractive if I could just hide the lower three quarters of my face at all (laughs) times. And so I think there is actually nothing sexier than a full and well-groomed beard. And as someone who's been someone's beard before, um, I can say that. That you should never ignore a beard. Nothing can replace a good beard. All right, let's get into this episode. The episode that I have for you today is like kind of terrifying, but at the same time, I don't know how to feel about this one. It's a weird one. Normally when I write an episode, I have this whole flow and I do this really beautiful intro and all of that. And this one was like, we're back in 2019. Like this is that style of episode. This is right. Just a That's okay. Shit. Yeah. So I know everyone's gotten really used to the beautifully done episodes that we've had for season five, where it's kind of like an NPR episode, but it's paranormal. This is not going to be that at all. So <laughs> I'm just giving you a forewarning. I actually love that because I feel like with our uh, NPR-esque episodes, there's like a lot less opportunity to enjoy oneself while giving it because we're just trying to get all the facts out. So I am right. looking forward to being dragged back down to 2019, recording in a recording studio at six in the, the morning sometimes where there would be used condoms on the ground. For for those of you guys who are new, and we used to record in a recording studio that belonged to one of our friends, and (laughs) there would like literally be used condoms on the ground, hair extensions on the ground, sometimes residues from from certain substances that are not uh, allowed to be correct taken into the body. In a court of law. It was very haunted. It was so haunted. And Natalia and I would have to be out of there before this person woke up, which just like added another layer of hauntedness. So we would like show up between 6 to 8 Mm a.m. and record. And we'd be like, we got to fucking get out of here before this guy wakes up at like 1 p.m. Like, it's not that we weren't allowed to be there. We were. And we would like Venmo him. We just did not want to confront this person. Yeah. And then they would like need to use their studio upon waking up. It was definitely. um, It was a frat boy culture. 
Yes. Yeah. Like the rock and roll lifestyle was definitely a thing. Yeah. That will be, that should be a Patreon episode we do. We should talk about that. You know what I was thinking too? We should also do a Patreon exclusive about how we almost had a Netflix show. I know. Well, according to the dude, like they shelved it, but it could come back. It's well, that's I'm making true. a that's face. True. I'm making a face because yeah. it's not going to come back. But yeah, maybe we'll talk about that on Patreon. You just never know. And that's why you have to take the risk and you have to join. Allie, do you know what a rake is? Uh, Yeah, it's a tool. <laughs> That you use to scrape leaves into a pile that you can then pick up with your gloved hands and place into a can that sits on front of your house. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, but what about the rake? Like one rake? Yeah. One rake is all it takes. Fall in love with me. In love with rake. Possibilla rakes. Okay. <laughs> this rake looks like all I need. I can already tell this is a shit post episode and I'm so excited. I'm so fucking excited. No, the rake. Do you know what the rake is? Okay. For some reason, I'm picturing a bird, um, like a stork, and or one giant rake that the Lord himself <laughs> uses once a year to scrape the undesirables into hell with so i guess you don't know what the rake is which makes this a little bit more no most people do know what the rake is so i'm just going to get into this episode and you will find out what the rake is but for everyone who's like i know what the rake is i'm gonna give them a little intro here because i don't want the skeptics to get away with their thoughts If you think that the rake was the name given to a creature which originated on 4chan's b-board near the end of 2005, you would be right. However, if you think the rake is just another urban legend or a creepypasta, guess again. Our story is the expanded version of events which leave that 2005 4chan post somewhere near the middle of this tale. To fully grasp the chill factor this legend possesses, Let's start with that famous 4chan post. Allie, do you know what the b-board is on 4chan? I don't remember which one that is. No. Is that the the like everything board? Because I know X board is for paranormal. Yes. So B is the name given to the random board on 4chan. And 4chan is a website that has numerous anonymous message boards where users can post about any number of interests, including fashion, paranormal, anime, art, and there's even some not safe for work boards. But 4chan is a spectrum. On the less harmful side of that spectrum would be 4chan's ability to create the best memes online. However, due to the anonymous nature of 4chan, the more harmful side of that spectrum is that 4chan can often breed hateful and harmful speech, and sometimes perhaps even cryptids. In late 2005, a thread started by an anonymous user on 4chan's B-board read, quote, Hey B, let's make a new monster, end quote. A group of anonymous commenters began brainstorming ideas until a new thread was born based on the popular attributes given to this imagined monster. The new thread read, quote, All right, this is for the people who like three eyes, no apparent mouth, pale skin. Here's what we got so far. Humanoid, about six feet tall when standing, but usually crouches and walks on all fours. It has very pale skin. The face is blank, as in no nose, no mouth. However, it has three solid green eyes, one in the middle of its forehead, 
and the other two on either side of its head towards the back. Usually seen in front yards in suburban areas, usually just watches the observer, but will stand up and attack if approached. When it attacks, a mouth opens up as if a hinged skull that opens at the chin reveals many tiny but dull teeth. Several names were given to the monster, including Operation Crawler. Oh. But the monster was further refined. Allie, I'm going to have you read this thing that I'm about to send you. Hold on. I really like the name Operation Crawler because that quite literally makes my skin crawl. I love the kind of creepy where you hear it and you don't even know what it is yet. And you're like, that is fucked up. Like whatever that is, it's about to be spooky as hell. So Allie is going to read the first and final revisions of what the 4chan posters came up with for this monster. First revision. Six feet tall is good. Humanoid, pale grayish skin, two large eyes on the front of the head because of trips 1483-2777 and nature. No nose, a mouth that is slightly visible, then opens on a hinge to reveal hundreds of dull, but not blunt, teeth. Consumes meat, but genitals don't matter because no interviews really talk about that. Seen in suburban areas, minding its own business, attacks when approached, but mostly just stares at people, and looks human enough to be able to distinguish with fedora and trench coat or similar. Final revision. Approximately six feet tall, but seen crouching. Humanoid with pale, grayish skin, two slightly larger than human eyes, no nose, a mouth that is smaller than a human's, but when provoked or attacked, opens freely on a hinge down to the neckline, showing hundreds of dull but not blunt teeth. Unknown origin, unknown diet, seen in suburban areas, opens its mouth and widens its eyes when provoked, attacks when approached, and if not provoked or approached, it just stares. Um, that is terrifying. Yes, it's exactly what I thought because from the name Project Crawler. I was like, this is going to be something fucked up. Now, I do love that 4chan decided to go with a humanoid monster when inventing a new monster because when I think of the word monster, my brain naturally gravitates towards like Godzilla or something. Right. So the fact that it is like Uncanny Valley humanoid-ish is creepy, is, is just so much creepier. Well, what's even scarier is the way that people started defining what this humanoid creature was going to behave like. For example, according to one source, quote, The rake is not always evil. Sometimes it just prances around in the wilderness. If it gets looked at or pictured, it will either attack or stalk you and then kill you later. The rake is a feral misanthrope who will not hesitate to kill anyone in its way. Its strength, stealth, and speed allow it to be able to get the better of humans and overpower them with ease and maneuver around to destinations quickly without being seen. It utilizes rake-like claws as a weapon. The rake's existence is unclear. It's rumored to have been a human at one point that was mutated and gifted immortality, which seems likely due to its humanoid appearance. It is also possible that the rake is some kind of alien from another world or planet, end quote. So what do you think so far of the rake? Hmm. Okay. So, well, originally, so the first thing that you said, maybe people could hear me in the background, maybe not. I was kind of like giggled when you said that it can be seen just like prancing around minding its own business because that 
Uh, and the reason why I giggled is because that is such like an innocent act that it makes it even scarier because it's like you see some dude in the distance, like you can't tell that it's not human yet. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this like giant man is just prancing around. Like, that's cool. Maybe he took some like good mushrooms or he's just listening to music <laughs> in his headphones, having like a private moment. And then like the man just turns and looks at you and its mouth unhinges and it just starts like sneakily and quickly, like faster than a human running towards you that yeah oh ooh, i just creeped myself out you know that song i think it's from jeepers creepers where it's like in a tiptoe through the forest the tulips yeah that through thing. the meadows or whatever that's where you'll find oh my god it just glitched in my ear and scared me so much why is this fucking hell <laughs> i know so i scary? saw you flinch god yeah that it's just I'm too scared right now. I feel like your description of the the rake just made me really nervous. And now I'm like looking around. Every, everything just seems fucked up right now. I don't know. Yeah. As you guys know, Natalia and I normally record at night to um, avoid having to pay too much for the parking meters at our studio. And there is like a giant w wall of windows in front of me. And I the like blinds are broken so I can see like my own reflection even though the people outside can probably see me and yes. so I constantly just creep myself out being like who is outside looking at me is it the rake so what became popularized on 4chan and creepypasta the story of the rake began to gain traction as a real creature something strange began happening people started seeing the rake in real life Sleepless victims reported that they had seen the rake in their dreams. Reports of a tall humanoid creature around six foot tall with gray skin and large vacuous illuminated eyes began emerging. The rake was said to sit on beds and stare at sleeping victims from the corner of their bedroom. People who encountered the rake claimed that he could see through their soul. Some believed the rake resembled a large hairless dog or a naked man. The rake dominated the suburbs. When spotted, the rake would not retreat, but rather stare ominously at the person who sighted them. If a curious onlooker approaches the rake, it slowly opens its mouth while its eyes grow wider and wider on its gray, thin face. It is assumed that the rake tears his prey apart with long talons at the end of his skinny fingers. Just seeing the rake was enough to mean certain doom. The rake stalks his victims in their nightmares and daydreams. The rake has a method of hunting which proves to be most unnerving. The rake appears to a victim in a reoccurring nightmare. The nightmare is always the same. The rake sits at the end of the bed staring at the victim, feeding off of their fear and anxiety. The more the rake appears, the more afraid the victim becomes. The stronger the rake becomes. It is assumed that the rake kills his victims, but nobody has lived to report back on the details. So now I'm going to show you some pictures of what the rake looks like. These are some artistic drawings, if you want to describe them to our listeners. If you guys want to see these pictures, you can go to our Instagram, at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. Okay, so Natalia just sent me six artistic renditions of the rake, and each one is more terrifying than the last. I'm going to be uh, keep it really real with you guys. If I saw this in the night, I think I would stab myself before it could get to me, because I'd be like, look, it's not fun for you anymore. Yeah, this thing <laughs> looks like a human-ish but okay, I don't know how many of you have seen Pan's Labyrinth, 
but it sort of looks like a cross between the demon in a gimp suit from American Horror Story season one Mm -hmm. and the all white slender man type creature from Pan's Labyrinth. Looks like those two beings met and had like a fucked up child. So the first one that I'm looking at is a mostly black, like charcoal drawing almost. And it has the only white areas are the creature's eyes and it's like talons for lack of a better word. And it looks like it's just perched on someone's bed staring at the person. The second one is an all black canvas with just in the lower right hand corner, a white spindly demon creature crawling towards. I know it looks terrifying. It looks like it would be so fucking fast too. Like Mm -hmm. this artist really captured the quickness of this abomination. Okay. Third one, we've got a sketch. Okay. So I'm going to describe the head because I feel like everyone gets the idea of like a Slenderman creature with talons. So the head is like, okay, picture a bald guy, but then instead of eyes, he's got these giant vacuous eye sockets that are just like deep shadows. Then the mouth is almost like the slit face woman. If you guys remember from our Japanese folklore episode with Raina Scully and with like lots and lots, too many teeth. It's too many teeth to be natural. And then the next one, (laughs) we see a person laying on their back with their knees up like they're sleeping on their bed. And then at the foot of the bed is this fucking terrifying rake demon creature. And it almost looks like it's being coy, which is um, even more terrifying than one (laughs) could imagine like i feel like if it was it is being coy there that's like a weird someone made like a porn out of the rake and i just saw the picture so i had to show it to you yeah like picture somebody is kneeling on a bed just staring at you with their head cocked to the side and their arms are like crossed in front of them between their knees it's doing the bambi pose yeah it's definitely doing like um a set like an innocent or sexy pose i'm not quite sure but because none of these drawings have clothes on the creature it just like makes everything sexual even though it has no genitalia negative five out of ten would not bang (laughs) and the last one is another drawing of the same fucking skinny genitalia-less creature with its long talons almost like edward scissorhands just like covered in blood with like lumps of flesh at its feet and it's just turning and looking towards the person that's drawing drawing it with these giant eyes that have no pupils yeah horrifying absolutely horrifying it kind of reminds me of venom you know like the bad version of spider-man oh yeah Yeah. i could see that yeah with like the giant unhinged jaw with all the teeth yes yes according to the legend around the summer of 2003 or perhaps 2006 it's hard to know due to the circumstances a strange humanoid-like creature was spotted in the northeastern united states which led to some local media buzz, which then led internet sleuths to do some research as to what that creature could be. According to one source, there were over two dozen documents that told of a humanoid creature that was similar to the one described in the media. Some of those documents even dated back to the 12th century. There was a bunch of buzz around 
some humanoid-like creature having been spotted in the northeastern United States. And then that kind of picked up some local media buzz, and then people in the media were talking about it, and then more people came forward and like, oh yeah, we saw that too. And so then some internet sleuths were like, well, what could this be? Like, what are people seeing that they're describing, right? So people started doing some research and they came across some documents that they thought might pertain to what was being seen, this humanoid creature, but they're not sure. And so they gathered up all of those documents. Some of them even dated back to the 12th century. I'm going to read some of those documents that they found and some of these witness testimonies that were found. So a mariner's log from 1691 reads, quote, he came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed, a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. End quote. What? I don't even know how to respond to that. This is like a real sailor's log from the before times? <laughs> yeah. So basically what ended up happening is all of these documents got pulled. And I'm going to read a bunch of them. And all these testimonies happened. And then there was this fucking blackout, according to the legend, like a weird blackout, like an internet blackout. And also just like electricity blackout, like everything in the city went out for a little while. When everything came back up, all of the original testimony and footage and stuff that had been covered in the news about this humanoid creature that was spotted in the northeastern United States had just disappeared. Oh, oh, that's spooky. So these are some of the surviving documents that were supposedly part of the Internet Sleuth's findings when they were researching what this creature could be that people were seeing in 2003 in the northeastern United States. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, that Mariner's Log, what the fuck? Okay, there's another one that's even weirder. A Spanish journal entry dated from 1880 reads, quote, I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand... I will not sleep. His voice. And then there was unintelligible text that could not be read. End quote. Ew. A wet hand? That made me like recoil. I just felt like I wanted to puke. If someone tried to touch me with a wet hand. Oh my God. Game over for them. Toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> Trigger warning. There is um, some self-harm in this next note that we're about to read. So if you have any sort of triggers about depression or self-harm, I would skip ahead probably about a minute. A suicide note from 1864. Quote, As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form, once again, I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next wake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. End quote. Um, yeah, that's horrifying. So I don't, yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, 
a lot of these testimonies i'm like oh well maybe it's like a sleep paralysis mm -hmm. demon or something or like maybe someone's guilty conscience is causing them to remember someone they wronged when they closed their eyes but the way that people are describing the thing it doesn't really sound like a human yeah like if you know even talking about a toddler right like i wouldn't say oh my toddler has wet hands and he has hollow <laughs> eyes you know what i mean like so even if like a human did have a wet hand i like would not include that in a diary entry or like a note right i just wouldn't like it doesn't wouldn't even occur to me so the fact that people are talking about oh like these eyes or oh i saw this person when i closed my eyes or i saw them at the foot of my bed or i saw their wet hand or whatever it's like that must be so like the only reason why that would be mentioned is if it were really important in describing the person right so it leads me to believe that perhaps it is not a person but the rake mm. apparently there was a wooden box that was found with empty envelopes inside the envelopes were addressed to william rose but there was also a loose personal letter that had no envelope the letter read quote dearest linny he will then try to attack you and run off and you'll be cursed with unfortunate events. I have prayed for you. End quote. What would you do if you received that letter? Was it addressed to me or to Linny? No, to you. Like, what if I wrote you a handwritten letter and mailed it to your house and I didn't tell you I was sending it and you open it up and that's what it said. And it just says like, dearest Nat. Would you report, would you just call 911? Just like police immediately? I feel like I would just be like, this is a scam. This is clearly someone pretending to be Allie, like trying to scare me. I don't know how they're going to get my like credit card information out of this, but <laughs> I, I would just be too afraid for it to be anything other than a scam. So I would just believe that it was a scam. Okay, wait, what if, you know how you'll get like emails or like spam emails or spam phone calls from telemarketers right. where it's like clearly someone in a call center and they're like, oh, um, you know, I need your social security number in order to like process some right. like bullshit bill that you haven't paid or something or else you go to jail. What if that's what demons are? But instead of your social security number, they're just like, oh, I need to see your soul real quick about like some unpaid debt that you have. And they're all just like sitting in like some office space with like hundreds of cubicles all in one room packed together just like these demons sitting on office chairs like trying to get your soul and they're like super scammers like that and then the devil is just like the head scammer like the guy that runs the call center it's like wolf of wall street and like when yeah, when Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. is like, I'm not fucking leaving. That's that's the devil. Or like Office Space, where the head guy is like, is always like, Yeah, I'm gonna need your TPS reports. But the devil like walks in to like the demon that has the least amount of souls reaped that month, and he's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna need you to stay late tonight and uh, get some more souls to hit your quota. Okay, I just sent you what you're gonna read next. Sorry, it's really long. We can take turns if you want. No problem. This is like the most complete witness account that was from 2006, according to the legend. So before this blackout, this mysterious blackout came and took all of the witness accounts and all of Ooh. the media that had to do with this strange humanoid creature that was being seen that we were presuming is the rake. Mm, gotcha. Okay. All right. Here we go. Three years ago, I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. 
I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him up in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he had gotten up out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly, his knees almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the darkness for a half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help whatever it was. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled across the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. Oh my God. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or possibly closer to five. It just seemed like so long. Just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hands on his knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kids' room. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was, was just enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said simply, He is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. He did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' home. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now refer to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believe to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, any history, or any follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and then never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and I left it running all night every night for two weeks straight. 
I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. This still took me almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know, and I fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me again. Um, yeah, that's, I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> I'm like, I am fucking terrified. I don't even know what to say. That is fucking horrifying. This story, it, oh, I, I feel, it's hard for me to express myself right now because I feel like I'm on one brain cell and, uh, you know, just like sick and have weird like fever head. But okay, does this make sense? Have you seen the movie The Ring? Yes. You know how she's like investigating the story of The Ring, but she like thinks it's yes. all bullshit and then it like starts happening yeah. to her. Oh my God. What if, are you saying what if this starts happening to you tonight? To or you me, or, or both, both of us? us? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's just fucking scary. Like I hate, I hate how like Gen Z is always like, oh yeah, our life is a movie, like main character, blah, blah, blah. Because all of the movies that I'm thinking about are fucking terrifying <laughs> and I don't want to be in them. That's I don't want to be a main character. I want to be like, forget about me. Like you didn't even know. I was like an yeah. extra. I was like a shadow in the background of a restaurant. I want to be, yeah, the supporting actor to the main character who gets to survive yeah. or who like doesn't have anything that bad happen right. to them. You know what I mean? Like I want to be the one person that's like, you're trying to, the main character's trying to tell me about some fucked up shit going on. And I'm the one that's like, mm, I don't know. I haven't seen anything. <laughs> right. Like you're just like the comedic relief. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want this fucking fucked up creature to appear at the foot of my bed. Do you think, okay, all, honestly, all I can think about as I was reading that was your personal haunting that you told last episode episode 137 where you woke up and there was just a fucked up looking God. human humanoid yeah. guy standing not at the foot of was it the foot of your bed or the at the side, side of your bed it was the side of the my side bed. of your bed just fucking looking down at yeah. you wiggling its creepy long finger like that's honestly all I could think about when I was reading that narrative I try not to think about that <laughs> I, I I have really just convinced myself that it was sleep paralysis at this point I'm like it was sleep paralysis it has all the hallmarks of sleep paralysis even though we know that it doesn't there are some things that are not matching up, but I'm just telling myself that it was sleep paralysis because I can't. You, you know what? Maybe that's what this creature is, too. Maybe it's just a sleep paralysis demon. You know how um, in the story we covered two years ago that you did on sleep paralysis and nighttime demons? Yeah. I remember you talking about how a lot of people see the same type of apparition regardless of race religion um country of origin like a lot of people see a night yeah. hag like an old woman mm -hmm. and so i wonder if this creature that all of these people are reporting could be 
something like that, you know, like some sort of collective conscious that we all have that we learned about in the Randonautica episode mm-hmm. where like sometimes before major tragedies in the world, like 9-11 or earthquakes, like we find that there is some sort of collective conscious, almost like a premonition happens. We also talked about that in our Happy Valley Dream Survey episode where some people get like, like groups of people sometimes have like premonition dreams. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what this is like a lot of people experiencing something at the same time and hallucinating the same thing we just don't know yeah what what they were saying in that story though is they were talking about how they had found all of this information right like the mariner's log and i don't want it to be like the ring like i don't want it to be like i don't want that person's story that you just read to be me next you know what i mean yeah, of course not yeah. <laughs> yeah who would want that As the legend goes, after all of these documents were compiled, there was this strange blackout that led to the loss of much of the content that was associated with the story of the rake because all of the online accounts were destroyed mysteriously during this blackout. And according to the legend, the accounts that had been lost, they weren't just fearful of the rake some of them were childlike curiosity and playfulness there were people who were just like oh yeah i saw this thing and it was sort of you know dancing around or kind of playful not all of them were terrifying so i don't know if that's part of the rake's hunting like if he's just like luring people into a false sense of security or lulling people into a false sense of security i mean i do think that we have heard of creatures doing that in the past you know i mean that's like a big part of horror movies is like something that you traditionally think of as being a safe object like a doll you know like the movie annabelle like there's stuff or like a little child in the shining like usually those types of things are thought of as being like innocent and so when that gets subverted into something malicious that can harm you it makes it even scarier so yeah like imagining this creature just sort of dancing and frolicking and like grooving in a forest uh, or in an alleyway and then um, oh my god wait I just scared myself so much have you heard the story of the dancing man (laughs) no okay I uh, um it might be it actually sounds a lot like the rake now that I'm thinking of it. And it scared the shit out of me. I can't be scared right now. Like, I'm going to cry. Stop. I will let you finish your story. <laughs> and if there's enough time, um, we should read The Dancing Man. It's super short. I shared it to our subreddit this year because I, I f- saw it for the first time on Reddit. I guess it's like a really famous Reddit post, but I saw it for the first time. It may have been at the end of last year and I reposted it to our subreddit r slash let's get haunted and it's it's scared the shit out of me and it's reminding me a lot of this rake creature but I will uh, let you finish and, and, and then that maybe if we have time it'll just be like a fun bonus. Holy shit. I Oh my god. Okay. So people ate the story up. Reposts of the rake copy pasta were up on live journal by December of 2008. 4chan's paranormal board X had the story up by April of 2009, and Something Awful took the story by June of 2009. Then almost a year later in August of 2010, r paranormal subreddit had the story. Tumblr even had a site for copypastas about the rake made. In December of 2010, 
A viral marketing campaign by Insomniac Games released a creepy photo of one of their new characters named Grim from a video game called Resistance 3. The image was published to the Wild Game Innovations website. Now, Wild Game Innovation is literally a hunting website that sells trail cameras, hunting accessories, and game feeders. So it's like not paranormal at all. But anyway, Insomniac posted this image to Wild Game Innovations website and they were posing as like a deer hunter in Morgan City, Louisiana. In their post, they claimed that their the hunter who took the photo was in pitch black. And then all of a sudden, this strange creature just appeared on his camera. And he freaked out and he was so terrified that he broke his camera in the shuffle of like running away. But he was luckily able to retrieve the image through a memory trip that wasn't damaged. Here is the image. Wow. Okay, so Natalia is showing me what you would think of when you think of a trail cam, right? So like grayscale, grainy image, because for those who don't know, trail cams are not like CCTV. Um, it's it's When you set up a trail cam, you can't see that image in a live feed or in real time, and they are motion activated. So hunters who are trying to figure out like which animals go to which spots in a forest, for example, they will set these trail cams up at certain points throughout the area that they're hunting in. And then they'll come back and look at them later. And when there is motion detected, the trail cam will take like a series of photos. And then you can see like, oh, okay, like deer come through this area or a bear came through this area. And then you can choose where to go or not go based on that information. So that is what makes trail cams especially spooky to me because imagine like you're going out to check a trail cam and then you see the image of this fucking demon monster running towards the camera which is what natalia is showing me (laughs) and then you're like well fuck i'm already here so it's not like i can avoid the the area like just imagine oh be such a good horror scene somebody checks the trail cam they see a fucking slenderman monster with these glowing vacuous eyes and no mouth like running towards the trail cam and then they look up from their trail cam and it's just right there staring at them imagine that. that i'm not imagining it But doesn't that picture look like the rake? It does. Yeah, it absolutely looks like the rake. But you're saying this was posted as promo for a video game? Yes, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because um, a lot of people, when they think of the rake, think of this image or think of something similar. Mm. And then the skeptics are like, oh, well, that was just a hoax because like Insomniac used this as a viral marketing campaign. But I'm here to tell you the rest of the story. Who is to say? This image terrified everyone to the point of even getting picked up by the Daily Mail and local news outlets. Mm -hmm. And there was this local Louisiana news station that ran this photo. And when they ran the photo, a ton of YouTubers commented on it. And they're like, oh, that's a grim. It's a video game character. It's a hoax, essentially. And then in response to this viral story, Insomniac Games came out and claimed the hoax on Twitter. And they tweeted out the same photo with the text, quote, whoops, looks like one got out. If you see a grim on the loose, please return to Insomniac Games in Burbank, California, with like a link to the new game. Mm, clever. But it was too late. What was meant to be a viral campaign for a video game only served to further materialize the rake within the public consciousness. Everyone was talking about the rake, 
more images emerged of the rake. The rake kept expanding into the thoughts of all who encountered the story, until evidence emerged suggesting that perhaps the rake isn't so new after all. Now, here on LGH, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and as haunties, we pride ourselves on our open-minded, fun, and inclusive way of thinking. However, should an argument with a skeptic arise, we come prepared to win. (laughs) And how, Allie, do we beat a skeptic at their own game? Well, with historical anecdotes that complement our paranormal interests and give credence to our debate, forcing the skeptic to ingest rational material which only solidifies our position as a trustworthy, rational source of information. Here, here. In the interest of putting a skeptic in their place when they call the rake a hoax driven by a viral marketing campaign, let's lay out the facts. So y'all, we're going to learn some actual knowledge today and also some sick historical insults very briefly. And yes, Allie, there will be a <laughs> test at the end of this. And if you get all of the answers right, I'll Venmo you $4.20. Okay? Okay, go ahead. Okay. According to Wikipedia, in a historical context, a rake is short for rake hell, which is analogous to a hellraiser. A rake was a man who behaved immorally, particularly by womanizing. Often, a rake was reckless and entitled, especially with money, wasting an inherited fortune on gambling, alcohol, women, and music, all the while racking up even more debt. In a literary sense, a rake stock character served to highlight libertinistic attitudes such as lewd behavior, alcoholism, vagrancy, cheating, and gambling. The libertines believed in a philosophy that was popularized during the 17th, 18th, and 19th century, mainly in France and Great Britain. Libertines were basically standing in sharp contrast to the social acceptable behavior of religious influence during those centuries. So a rake would stand in opposition to religious dogma. Do you see that thread of evil yet? Morality was the concept on everyone's mind during the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. So much so that even if a rake became chaste and sober, they might still be a rake if their choice to change was not motivated by good morals. According to Wikipedia in literature, quote, the motivation of a penitent rake to change their libertine ways could fall under two motives. One, the false wit, or two, the true wit. False wits only abandon their way of life out of hypocrisy for financial reasons, while true wits fall in love with a witty heroine and vow to be faithful to her. Yes, this is problematic, but stay with me here. These distinctions between hypocrisy and honesty demonstrate the role of morality when crafting a rake. The last relatively smart thing I have to say before we all put our tin hats back on is that the polite rake and the debauch were differentiated between their social class or style. For example, a smart male character who was perceived as charismatic and witty while entertaining alcohol and sex was preferred over a debauch who had no restraints in fornication, drinking, or hypocrisy. So, in short, what made the Rake stock character so horrific was the emotional distance he kept from both his objects of desire and the havoc he created. He seemed to have no sense of shame or morality. Could this historical Rake literary stock character be where the monstrous Rake so many encountered was born from? Who is to say? But what I do want to point out is that now we have new ways to define and insult ourselves and others. 
So here's the pop quiz. Allie, what is a rake stock character? A rake stock character is a debaucherous person. Mm, yeah. Oh. A debaucherous, immoral, uh, rebelling against religion person. Yeah, that is correct. A rake was a male rake hell or hellraiser who pursued pleasure via womanizing, drinking, gambling, and music, all the while racking up debt and wasting his inheritance. Pop quiz question number two. What attitudes did a libertine take? A libertine took liberties. This is what my English teachers must have thought of my my <laughs> test answers. Wait, let me think. Okay, a libertine. No, but that's what a, a rake character was, right? right? The, the libertines were like rebelling against religion i thought did i misinterpret no you that's that's right yeah so a libertine was someone who uh lived freely and they drank freely with alcohol sex fornication gambling they basically did everything that a rake did number three what is the difference between a false wit and a true wit okay when you were talking about false wit and true wit i um i just started saying in my head to wit um and then i and then i and then I Wait, don't know. You know, like the saying to wit. No, what's that? Um, like if you're explaining something and then you say to wit, and then you say like something else that goes along with the explanation. Wow, <laughs> we are falling apart here. Um, okay, so a false wit is motivated by hypocrisy, and a true wit is motivated by honesty. I didn't win 420, you guys. I'm so sad. No, no. But you might get the extra credit. So which of these terms, rake, libertine, false wit, true wit, polite rake, or debauch, do you most identify with? I am going to say libertine. Oh, wow. That's very fancy. Okay. Now we can put our tinfoil hats back on. Let's return to our story. So that is what the rake means in like a literary sense. I I could possibly see some some lines drawn from that definition to today's rake monster sure. right yeah definitely because when you think of like debauchery what is more debaucherous than violence and the rake is a very violent creature from the narratives that you have been reading and especially the one that you had me read where a child is killed i can't really think of anything more counterculture than murdering the object of innocence right so yeah i could see parallels being drawn it does surprise me that 4chan would have known that backstory and then applied it to a new monster they were inventing so either that was just a happy accident or coincidence or um you know it's a what came first the chicken or the egg type situation and maybe someone thought they were inventing a monster but really it already existed Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that last one. Keep that train of thought going. Okay. So the rake grew a life of their own. The more and more people wrote about the rake and ruminated on the rake and said its name out loud, the more powerful the rake became. And then people began uncovering evidence that the rake has always been. In 2017, r humanoid encounters had a post that read, quote, I hid my head under the blanket and stayed as still as possible. I could see a faint silhouette through the fabric. It looked like a hairless dog with a warped body with long distorted arms. The creature walked across the floor and crawled out of sight. I could only assume that it had gone up the steps. I didn't sleep at all. I held still and refused to allow myself to move until dawn. 
My mother had come down the steps confused and a bit aggravated. She asked me to come upstairs and look at the wall. The walls had been covered with long scratches. The distance between the marks was huge. The hands must have been at least six inches wide. We moved within the following weeks, and it wasn't until four years ago that I heard of the rake. Another user, which is now deleted, wrote, That night, I woke up at 3 a.m. to the feeling of something watching me. I felt extremely uneasy. I rolled over to look around the room, and my eyes locked onto something standing beside my mom. It was extremely tall, but looked as if it had a broken back and couldn't stand up completely. It was slouched over, and it had extremely pale skin and bones sticking out under the skin everywhere due to how skinny it was. It had long claws hanging from both hands. Its face was sunken in, and eyes were completely black holes. A few greasy hairs were visible on its head. It had no clothes, but also no genitals or nipples. I was horrified. I rolled over and covered myself up head to toe with the cover. I refused to move or look out the rest of the night, even though I was fully awake. Eventually, my mom finally woke up that morning. She immediately started complaining of her side hurting. She raised her shirt to look and found huge claw marks down her side. It was three deep wounds, which were extremely inflamed and still bleeding. I felt horrible knowing that this thing did that to her while I lay beside her hidden. A couple months later, I saw the creature again, although not as horrible as the first experience. I was woken up to the creature slouched on the floor on my side of the bed. It was watching me sleep. I covered myself up again immediately, but this time I got the courage to peek out and found it still looking at me. I'm not sure when it went away because I didn't dare look again. The feeling this creature gave the room was horrifying. I got chills and my hair stood on end before even seeing it the first time. It had the feeling of complete evil to it. I'm 18 now and obviously sleep in my own room, however, I still live in the same house. My mom still sleeps in the room where I witnessed the creature. Almost nightly she has nightmares about something watching her in the room. She has nightmares about something hiding in the paintings on her walls, or something coming from the ceiling in her room while she sleeps. There's one specific corner of the room where almost every dream seems to originate in. Our cats refuse to stay in that room if the door is shut. If anyone has any information about any folklore this could relate to, please tell me. I'm desperate for any information about what I've seen. I've had countless other experiences in the house, but those are the major ones. This is the closest I've come to finding an image that looks like what I saw. And they included a photo. Also, I wasn't aware of the creepypasta of the rake until 2016. This event took place many years before that. I've only referred to the creature rake-like because of the similarities in what I saw and having nothing better to compare it to. So Natalia is showing me an image that we will post to at Let's Get Haunted in the photo dump for this episode. It depicts, um, yeah, a creepy humanoid fucked up looking like lumpy hairless or actually it has a few little hairs dangling like out you know what okay picture yeah. golem yeah but picture like a golem thick neck. but with like way too long of a neck and no hair except for i guess like a few scraggly pieces and long like dog claws it's it's gross it's fucking gross it and it, no eyes like just giant black deep sockets of nothingness so fucking creepy but golem i feel like is like a bag of bones where this thing is really skinny but it, and but it's like lean like it looks like it's could fuck you up like it's strong you know yeah yeah no i wouldn't 
want to be anywhere near it. It look and this image also shows several different angles. So you can also see a drawing of the rake looking like sitting with its back towards you and then turning its weird fucked up dinosaur <laughs> neck around to look at you. And so then if, if you like look at that drawing at the same time as you listen to the story that Natalia had me read, um, I, I think that you will sleep with the lights on tonight. Yeah, fuck that thing. It's funny that you said it's dinosaur neck because I was trying to figure out a way to describe that. But yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm sending you a different link. Here's some um, popular TikToks that feature perhaps the rake. I'm not sure. This first one's really weird. It's by at woe that is strange. Okay, I'm watching. All right, there. I'm going to describe it as I watch. There is a girl who is recording a different phone and she's talking, narrating what's happening, and she is showing a live photo to the audience. Oh, ew. Oh, that's gross. Okay, so yeah, in the background of this live photo. So the photo looks normal. Like it's all the people who should be in the photo are in the photo. And in the few seconds after the photo is taken, there's just this creepy all white creature crawling behind on all fours and it's blurry so you can't really tell what it is and the lady narrating is like yeah there was no other people that should be in that photo like all of the people who were at this event are in the photo this was taken in an iphone live photo if you don't know what an iphone live photo is it's essentially a photo that has like a short snippet of a video before and after the photo is taken the woman that took the photo said everybody was accounted for in the photo, but she's not sure what this is. In between the flash, you can see that this white figure just sprints across the frame. So what do you think it is? It's like a photo of people on the beach at night, and they're like all like together taking a photo with the flash. And then when you play the live photo, you see like a weird yeah it's like a weird yeah it's gross half invisible creature like running away okay the next video i sent you is just i literally just wrote on it it's from daily motion and i just wrote honestly i don't know what the fuck this is because <laughs> okay it's, it's so fucking me. weird dude okay <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> okay the first few seconds it says the rake do you believe okay now my screen is black wait for the video it's really fucking fucked up the video's starting <laughs> i just make a face Ew! <laughs> what is that? I'm just laughing because it's so fucked up. <laughs> but like, <laughs> what is that? How would you even begin right. to describe that? Have you that? guys ever seen those street performers that like are on stilts and then their arms also have arm stilts so that it looks like they're <laughs> a like stretched out giraffe creature walking on all fours? Um, that's what this is. I'm just <laughs> laughing because like there's just a dude in a park. <laughs> behind behind a tree and then he comes out from behind the tree and he's got these stilts on his arm that's for sure just a dude <laughs> yeah i don't know man but oh that's incredible i love that i love the idea of someone being so personally haunted that they take their stilts to a park <laughs> and hide behind trees and scare people that is so <laughs> fucked up okay the next video is a tiktok from at kelsey davies and she has those like what do they call like the water witch things she has like those rods they're like um rods you hold in your hands i can't remember what they're called but divining she, rods yes divining rods she has like divining rods in her hands and she has a haunted doll that she asks about the rake okay i'm about to hit play so this lady is asking her haunted doll about the rake 
creature. Today I'm gonna be asking my haunted doll about the rake creature. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, this creature is basically a humanoid creature that is said to be around six feet tall. It has grayish skin and big black eyes. This creature has been said to be seen in suburban areas. This creature is also known to enter your nightmares and it walks on all fours. So I'm gonna ask Lola about it as well as what other spirits come through. Lola, is the rape creature real? Yes. Oh my god. Is it a type of demon? Yes. Has it ever visited me in my dreams? No. Okay, good. Will our followers be safe from the rake man? Yes. You guys are safe. Um, so for those who don't know what, um, I believe they're called divining rods are, I, I used them once when I went on a like haunted Halloween tour of downtown Ventura, um, for one of my friend's birthdays. And they're basically like giant long metal rods. Yeah. I mean, that's what they are, but they're skinny. Like, I don't know. When I think of a rod, I think of like something thicker. This is like skinny little pieces of metal and they're bent in an L shape. And so you would hold the bottom part of the L in your hands. And then the idea is that if the rods cross on their own, like you're not supposed to move them. You're supposed to hold them loosely. And so if the rods cross on their own, it means yes, or it means like there's something haunted nearby. At least that's how I learned it. And then if they don't cross when you ask a question or if they go in the opposite direction, then that means no. So when she's asking her haunted doll and she also has a spirit box, um, that's capturing audio in the background. She asks the doll some questions about the rake and it says either yes or no. Yeah, but the doll says no. The rake's not there with them, which is good. It's good for yeah, us. Yeah, fuck that. So what do you think of this story, Allie? Mm, it's fucked up. It's <laughs> just super fucked up. Yeah, like a golem, um, all white creature with black hollow eye sockets I'm telling it really just reminds me of Pan's Labyrinth, but that creature had no eyes on its head and it had eyes in the palm of its fucked up hands. Yeah. The the rake is like an all white skin creature with no genitalia, but it has instead of eyes, it's these giant empty sockets and then the mouth is like a snake's mouth, but with like way too many teeth. Like like Natalia said, like venom exactly like that and in some of the drawings it's all black and in some of the drawings it's all white but it's just like this weird blubbery gross golem fucking fucked up thing that looks like it just wants to like spit acid on your face i don't like it i like venom's personality though like i feel like he's funny I, i've actually never seen that movie um, just take it from me but i've seen the previews and yeah it looked scary okay now we're gonna get into the theories theory number one is that the rake is a tulpa or a thought form. Have you ever heard of a tulpa or a thought form? No. Okay, we've talked about this in a different episode as a theory, but I'm going to dive into it a little bit more as it pertains to the rake specifically. According to Wikipedia, quote, a tulpa is a concept in theosophy, mysticism, and the paranormal of an object or being that is created through spiritual or mental powers. Modern practitioners call themselves tulpamancers, and they use this term to denote a willed imaginary friend, which practitioners consider to be sentient and relatively independent. The theosophist Annie Besant, in the 1905 book Thought Forms, divides them into three classes. One, 
forms in the shape of the person who creates them. Two, forms that resemble objects or people and may become ensouled by nature spirits or by the dead. And three, forms that represent inherent qualities from the astral or mental planes, such as emotions. Could the rake be a tulpa or thought form that was ensouled by nature spirits or the dead? Or perhaps the rake is the form of an emotion as strong as terror. The occultist William Walker Atkinson believed thought forms were much more simple. Atkinson posed that thought forms were ethereal objects that were born out of the auras surrounding people generated from their thoughts and feelings. Atkinson believed that thought forms produced from auras of experienced practitioners would serve as astral projections that may or may not look like the person projecting. Furthermore, these thought forms could only be seen by those with awakened astral senses. Could the rake be a thought form that was created from the auras of the terrified people who read about the rake? Is that why there was a mysterious blackout that eliminated testimony and information pertaining to the rake? To keep the rake from generating out of the public's aura? Okay, so technically according to the definitions of tulpa and thought form, the rake could materialize in real life from an emotional exposure to a fictional story of the rake. But if that's the case, then why have other fictional characters not been generated? Why do we not see Mickey Mouse sitting at the foot of our beds or crawling through our suburban neighborhoods? Spiritualist Alexandra David Neal noted that she had observed tulpa mystical practices in 20th century Tibet. She described tulpas as magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. So maybe Mickey Mouse didn't leave as much of an emotional impression as the rake did. After all, children's cartoons are meant to pacify the viewer, not force them to ruminate on the content for hours after watching. David Neal believed that a tulpa could develop a mind of its own. Quote, once the tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from its maker's control. According to David Neal, this happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when her body is completed and able to live apart, leaves its mother's womb. She said she had created such a tulpa and the image of a jolly friar tuck-like monk, which later developed a life of its own and then had to be destroyed. David Neal raised the possibility that her experience was illusory. Quote, I may have created my own hallucination, end quote. But she did say that others could see the thought forms that she had created as well. Hmm. So is Mickey Mouse waiting for his chance to become so powerful that he too can leave the Disney stratosphere and choose his own path? Or has he already done that? Some of the earliest renditions of Mickey Mouse from the 20s feature Mickey as a silent rodent on a steamboat. But as time went on and Mickey became more popular and perhaps more powerful, he got a girlfriend named Minnie and an animated friend group including Donald Duck, Goofy, and Pluto. Did Mickey will himself these friends? As time went on, all of those friends got their own spinoff shows. Did they will themselves those shows? Who is to say? According to Wikipedia, online communities dedicated to tulpas spawned on 4chan and Reddit. These communities refer to tulpa practitioners as tulpamancers. The communities gained popularity when adult fans of My Little Pony, aka Bronies, started discussing tulpas of the characters from My Little Pony. The fans then attempted to use meditation and lucid dreaming to create imaginary friends. 
A survey of 141 respondents found that the rates of autism, ADD, and ADHD is significantly higher among surveyed tulpamancers than the general population. The survey results led people to speculate that people may have been more likely to want to make a tulpa because those groups traditionally have higher levels of loneliness. So in that theory, they're basically saying the rake could be brought to reality just by us giving the rake power of saying, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it's called. This is where it lives. Like we've created this and enough people have meditated on it that it has become real. And then the more people hear about it, the more fear and terror there is surrounding it, the more it's being talked about. It just never fucking dies. You know, I believe that, though, because in our episode about the Belmez faces that we did two or three years ago, I don't remember anymore, Mm -hmm. um, we talked about a woman who was able to use photography to give life to the like ghosts that she was hearing Mm -hmm. in her house. And if you want more information on that, all you have to do is Google search, let's get haunted Belmez faces. There's no time to explain. But basically in that episode, we learned that some people seem to have this ability to think something into a physical form. So in that story, there's a woman and she's able to sense these spirits. And then the longer she thinks about them, now suddenly like drawings of faces are appearing out of stains in her wall. So I do believe that given the right circumstances or the right person, it could be possible for your thoughts to spawn something material just because of what we learned in that episode. I don't, you know, like I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility from all of the crazy shit we've talked about on this show like that doesn't seem like something that crazy the law of attraction states that whatever we focus on becomes our reality so if we're like hey we live in a world with the rake then we live in a world with the rake yeah also how sad is it to think that the rake might just be some lonely person's imaginary friend no i reject that because nobody would imagine a fucked up rubber golem creature that just like sits at the foot of your bed. No, nobody wants that. You know what they want? Everybody wants either something cuddly or something hot. And the rake is neither of those. (laughs) So if something becomes real on 4chan, if we just all think about it enough, does that mean that other harmful things on 4chan become real as well? Well, I think like the part of the story that I believe could be true, like out of the theories that we've discussed so far, is the concept of thoughtography. I think that that could be true. But I also think that not everybody possesses that ability. So just because, like, I do think it's possible for, like, abstract things to happen if enough people think something's true. But I don't think it's possible to spawn something in reality without, like, some special psychic ability, like, for example photography or astral projection or using the psychic eye or whatever like I think the average person can't do those things so just me reading about the rake doesn't mean that I'm contributing to the rake's possible existence I think you would have to be like a special kind of person for that to be a thing if we believe that photography or thought um, or tulpas or tulpomancing, tulpomancing, if we believe those are real, I think that they would only be real under the circumstances in which the right person is 
doing the thing that brings the thing to life. Does that make sense? You would have to be someone who's like a witch or someone who's constantly creating their reality or, you know, like an alchemist type person. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. The second theory is sleep paralysis demon. Evidence to support this theory is that a sleep paralysis demon often takes the shape of whatever scares the victim the most. And if they're afraid of the rake, then maybe they'll see the rake. Theory number three is an alien. Evidence to support this theory is that the rake's appearance is gray skin, large eyes, and small or no nose, and a thin body shape. Is the rake just a misunderstood alien? Or perhaps the rake is several aliens? I mean, that could also be my new favorite theory, because we all know I love aliens. Mm -hmm. And I do, I could see how, like, from accounts of aliens that we've researched and read on past episodes, it does seem like aliens do like to be creeping on sleeping humans. (laughs) And the rake also seems to have an affinity for just, like, staring at you Um, in your most vulnerable state, right? So yeah, maybe that's my new favorite theory because I do love aliens. And if there are multiple rakes, then it could be like an alien race, like the greys, right? Like those are thought to be like the... Um, We learned in the Indrid Cold episode that there are all of these different kinds of aliens and some are more benevolent and some want to like explore like scientists, like as if they're scientists and... They want to learn from humans or observe humans. And then there are other aliens that are allegedly more mischievous or like tricksters. And then there's others that are just like straight up evil by our standards, by human standards, because they don't have the same moral code. Um, And so maybe it's like that. Yeah, maybe it's like a whole race of aliens. And that's why it seems like multiple sightings of the rake have popped up throughout history and in so many different areas. The next theory is misplaced moon-eyed people. So Mm. evidence to support this theory is that the area where the sightings were could account for migration of the remaining moon-eyed people. If you don't know what the moon-eyed people are, there's no time to explain. You need to go back and listen to our episode on the moon-eyed people. The last theory is that the rake is a cursed human. Evidence to support this theory is that there was a rumor that this was a human who was either gifted or cursed with immortality. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's super spooky. Ooh, I like that one too. The Moon-Eyed People, I'm like, I'm like, no, I feel like the Moon-Eyed People is a cool legend that is um, constrained to like one geographical area. That's how I feel about it. If you guys don't know what the Moon-Eyed People are, no time to explain. Natalia covered it last year in one of her December episodes. You can go back and listen. Yeah, I feel like that's constrained to one geographical location from everything you told me in that episode where you covered Moon-Eyed People. But the, yeah, a cursed human that's just like, like a fucked up Robert Pattinson vampire man that like tuck everlasting like cursed thought this person thought they wanted immortality and then the reality is that like they don't get to enjoy anything and there's no fear and there's also like you're constantly thirsty or hungry because like nothing oh it's so fucked up and your skin is like sparkly diamonds in the sun and that's (laughs) bad because then everyone knows that you're not a, a mortal 
And then you have a moment to yourself where you're just prancing, frolicking through the tulips and everyone is afraid of you and (laughs) thinks you're terrifying. Exactly. Exactly. That one is a cool idea too. a cursed human because and I think it's cool because as someone terrified of death, as I say on every episode, the idea of immortality is comforting to me. But then I think about I know that like for a lot of people, immortality is like a curse. Like it would be horrible. It would be absolutely awful. There's nothing to live for if you can't die. Right. So I could see myself accidentally entering into a pact for immortality out of fear and then just being like, like I just pull out my hair slowly over time because I'm like so upset about this curse that I walked myself into. And then I'm just like, yeah, just like hunched over crawling around in a forest because I'm like, oh God, this sucks. Someone kill me and I can't die. I could see that uh, being my fate. Well, isn't that what happened to Gollum? Like he used to be a normal dude like he used to be one of the hobbits but then he got the ring and like the ring like the power of the ring made him look crazy yeah yeah he like slowly went insane from the greed of wanting to be near the ring or wanting to have the ring yeah Uh, uh, wanting to do the ring's bidding yeah I never understood that as a kid I was like it's a fucking ring like who cares (laughs) like why like why do they want it that bad you know who is to say and I never understood like like what powers does it actually give you like it just makes you invisible cool like I would way rather be that king with that long hair that lives in that eyeball you know Look, anyone who, like, if you ask someone what, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Anyone who says invisibility is just a pervert. <laughs> I actually recommend, you know, on a first date, ask people that. And if they say invisibility, I'm sorry, red flag. You need to just walk right out of that person's life. I would like nothing more than someone to just come in and school Allie and I and be like, you fucking idiots. It's not just invisibility. <laughs> you also get to speak the language of the elves and you get the secret gate to Mordor and da, da, da. And then the trees are like really tall and you can ride them or whatever. Just come like <laughs> make us feel like stupid assholes right now because I feel like that's what we need. <laughs> Look, if you have the one ring and you were offended by our commentary on how Solemn <laughs> is stupid, then come on our show and defend yourself. Oh, wait, that's right. You can't because you're crawling in a loincloth through <laughs> a volcanic environment um, searching through for the ring. Environment. Yeah. So fuck you. <laughs> Maybe our next podcast will just be like discussing movies and like finally like getting all of the questions answered that people have about movies that we were just like too afraid to ask. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that's a fun idea. Like, hey, I, you thought you understood Interstellar? No, you didn't. Like, listen to this episode. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was definitely a mindfuck episode. And actually, I don't think you gave it enough credit, Natalia. I was expecting a, like, shitpost episode, but I actually really love Reddit and urban legend lore deep dives, like Reddit, 4chan, all of those things. I know a lot of people look down on those sorts of channels, but the thing about that is that that is the modern agora, right? Which we learned that word... I think I'm using, I think it's that word that we learned about in the um, Happy Valley Dream Survey episode. Like that is the modern, um, you know, water cooler, if you right. will. Like right. that is our our ability to commune with each other and spread folklore and stories that are, that say something about our culture as modern day people. That's where you can find that stuff. 
Like 4chan yeah. and Reddit in the future will be studied by people in hundreds of years from now. And they'll look back on these archives and be like, oh, wow, like what were people in the year 2023 talking about? And what does that say about them as a species or them as a culture? Go yeah. kill yourself. That's, th- and that's they what will be reading say. this stuff. I actually really like stories like this um, because I do think that they are important. 4chan has like a secret language so I didn't want to tell you this but when you were first reading the first revision and second revision of what the rake was going to be and you were like oh yeah it's going to have this because of trips and then you read out this number and it seemed like it had nothing to do with anything so this is embarrassing that I know this don't ask me how I know this but trips when you when on 4chan when you comment something it gives you a random generated number and mm-hmm. it's called trips if you have three numbers in a row. So that number that you read had three sevens in a row. So someone must have commented, oh, it should have like, you know, no no's. And then everyone was like, oh, well, they have trips. So let's go with that. No no's. Oh, so, gotcha. So in a weird paranormal way, if we really are going with this idea that um, the rake is this sentient thing that wanted itself to be created, I guess, uh, but it was like a tulpa or a thought form. It might have chosen that its own appearance by manipulating those random numbers on on 4chan. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that, especially after our random number generator episode, which, again, if you guys want to learn about that, that was our Randonautica episode. You just have to Google search, let's get haunted Randonautica, and you will find it. Yeah. If the collective conscience thinks the same thought at the same time or experiences the same feeling at the same time or meditates on something at the same time, we know that that does have an effect on random number generators. So if 4chan is just generating random numbers for users, who is to say that the tulpa could not uh, somehow infiltrate that process that we don't fully yet understand? And, you know, cause that to be the characteristic picked yeah do you want to do our sign off i do and since we are all out of time um maybe nat and i will read that story i referenced um about the dancing man man. uh, uh, on patreon because it's more of like a creepypasta-esque type thing so look out for that if you are subscribed to the patreon um brb Gotta go set up a trail cam and see if I can find Gollum. Oh, no. Bye. Bye.